understand is your best life is not a beach and it's not a vacation and it's not some mountainous terrain, something beautiful. Your best life is living the life that God created you to live. Nobody was better at describing or explaining this in the Bible than the Apostle Paul. And he said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he said, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy. Think about that. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. That's a pretty strong statement. Here's what he's essentially saying. Listen, don't just chase success and don't just chase the things that make you happy. Chase significance and chase the things that matter in the kingdom. Because the truth is, a lot of us have a ladder leaned against the wall of success. Let me just help you with that. When you get to the top of the ladder of success, you will find no significance in it. You will find no fulfillment in it. And here's what you'll do. You'll pull that ladder up and you'll find another wall. And you'll climb and you'll climb and you'll climb until you realize there's no fulfillment in earthly success. There's only fulfillment in heavenly significance when I do something that is beyond me. Now, the challenge and the reason I'm preaching this, this is probably one of the more important messages, if not the most important message that I'll ever preach to you. Because if we're not careful, even as believers, we slip back into living the way the world does, finding our fulfillment in things that the world does and realizing we know Jesus, but we're still empty. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I've lived that way before. I knew Jesus, but I was still empty. Here's why. I was saved, but I wasn't set free. Because I was slipping back into doing things based on the world's standards of happiness. I can tell you this. I can solve it all for you. There is no happiness living the way the world lives. You can have all the money. You can have all the power. You can have all the fame. And you realize it's empty. All you have to do is pick up a People magazine. <laughs> they ain't happy. Okay. You have to find significance. How many of us have found ourselves missing out on what's most important because of what's most urgent? We're just accomplishing things. And you tell your kids, I'll be home later on. Quit crying. I got to go make a living so y'all live like you keep living. You ought to say thank you. I've called myself doing that before. That's why at our house, every Friday night is family night. And you ask me, what do you do on family night? Literally nothing. Our whole life is planned out, so family night is rarely planned out. It's just a night where we have fun. We might watch a family movie. We might chase each other around the house. Literally, I have a lot of kids, and my youngest kids are four and two, and they're little boys, and all they want to do is run around the house and me chase them. I'm 42. I'm tired. They, they, literally, when I walk in the door, I, I stop, and I go, oh, God, give me strength. And then I go in there like, Daddy, be the bull. The bull means I get down on all fours and they climb on my back and I buck them off and they do it again. It's exhausting. My back is shot. I'm looking for early retirement, like two or three years. I'm done. I mean, I'm out. No, we have fun. And, and last Friday night, one of the things that we did, we didn't know it was going to happen. We just did an impromptu dance party. And it happened. And some of you guys saw it on Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw it. If you don't follow me on Instagram, you don't have to follow me on Instagram. But it's at Jeremy Foster, okay? Um, I want to show you. Look, this is what we do on Family Night. Take a look at this video. Let's go. Cut to the beat. That's what we do. Kanye. It's hot, bro. 
I don't want to just live for me. Hey, wake up call. Some of us are selfish. I didn't say shellfish. I said selfish. It's a different thing. It's hard to see selfishness. But if you'll just look at your life and realize that a lot of the stuff that we do is for us, you'll realize, man, I got I to shake it up. And I'm grateful that we have thousands of people across all of our campuses that, that shake it up and they serve you. Do you realize somebody set up the chairs that you're sitting in? Somebody put all the pipe and drape up and all the signs up and the kids ministry, the kids, God bless the kids ministry. Somebody's running cameras right now and running sound. Somebody's out in the truck. Somebody give them a great big hand. They've done a phenomenal job at all of our campuses. What are they doing? They're living. They're doing something that will outlive them and that does outlive them. Saturday, our, our Cornerstone team, by the way, Cornerstone celebrated one year. Cornerstone campus celebrated one year this weekend. That's awesome. And, and yesterday they got there early because we had a memorial service for one of our members at our church. He was a friend of mine. I preached about him a few weeks ago. Michael Briggs passed away three weeks ago. Great friend of mine. If you knew Michael, you knew Michael. You just couldn't forget him. He was a greeter here at Hub City. God had radically changed Michael's life. And I got the honor of officiating his homegoing celebration yesterday. And that Cornerstone team, they did it right, man. It was amazing. And, and all these people came who don't go to our church. Many of them don't go to church at all. And at the end of that farewell service, that homegoing celebration, our location pastor at our Cornerstone campus, Trevor, got a text. I don't even know who it was from, but he just sent me the content of the text and here's the content this guy said i i've known michael for 19 years and i remember when he first went to hope city for the first time he came back and told me man you have to try this church and i told him i don't go to church today after experiencing hope city and what you guys are all about i see now what he was talking about my wife and i would like to come to your services what time are they and I think that's amazing that my friend lived a life so well that he passed away three weeks ago. And yesterday his life was still preaching and his life was still affecting other people. I want to live a life that outlives me. That means I have to live for something beyond me. And here's what's beautiful. We need you. We need you. Turn to somebody next to you and say, we need you. And if y'all were mad when you came to church, that helps you a little bit. Helps you work it out. Listen, God never designed this thing for one person to reach everybody. Like, because if he did, do you think he would have called you to be the one? Probably not. <laughs> he had his son, Jesus. He would have been the best choice, right? To reach the world. He saved the world. So why not just have him reach the world, heal everybody, save everybody, change everybody's life, and personally evangelize everybody. And Jesus didn't do it. His, his ministry lasted for three years, and then he was ascended into heaven. And he said, I go to the Father. And he said, but I'm going to send the Comforter, and greater things than these shall you do. Why didn't, he, why didn't he heal everybody? Why didn't he save everybody? Why didn't he change everybody's life personally? Because he was leaving work for you and for me to do. You and I have a personal responsibility to let our light shine before men so that they will see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. I call it the Oreo principle. How many of you guys like Oreo cookies? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Shata as he brings out some Oreos. Come on, bring it, bro. Bring it. Look at, look at my man. 
Slow walking in your white shoes and white gloves. Smallest white gloves I've ever seen ever in my life. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Give Shatar a great big hand. He's done a great job. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Go spit it out because I know you can't eat cookies like that and look like that. By the way, uh, there's there's wheels on this thing, bro. You could have just... Could have just... Eat big, but... Ah, I don't know. I'm playing. Come on, guys. Come on. He's got a master's degree. That's a smart man. So if you if you got hungry for Oreos, how many of you guys like Oreos? Like Oreos? Okay. And you went to the store and you rolled up like, man, I want some Oreos. And you went to the line at Kroger or H-E-B and you were walking down and there was this one and there's this one. Which one are you going to get? You're going to get this one, right? Because we all know what's in your brown paper bag. Like if I just... If I'd have just pulled this out and been like, hey guys, hey, you'd have been like, okay. Literally, all I would have had to do, I, I wouldn't even have had to say anything. I could have just been like, Whoa. it's a double stuffed anointing right there. And if I open this thing right now, you would see that it's in three neat rows. You know what that stands for? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. These things anointed. How many of y'all ever blacked out and just ate two or three rows? Wife walked in and be like, where'd the Oreos go? Blame it on your kids. I don't know. These kids just eat everything in this house. But what's funny is if I just pulled this out, you'd be like, okay. And I was like, no, no, no. It's Oreos. Exactly. That's exactly. Literally, I, I held the, the package up and you're like, Whoa! I hold this up. And you're like, yeah, you're an idiot. It's funny how much this matters. This is the package. This is not the product. It is the packaging that makes you want the product. How you live your life matters. How we present Christ matters. Why do we do all the things that we do at our church? Why do you think we do everything excellent and we hang lights and we put LED walls and we just try to make it amazing at every campus and we have 38 greeters high-fiving you, high-fiving you, high-fiving you. Kids team is smiling at you. Why don't you think we do all of that? We're representing Christ. I've literally had people say to this to me before. They've said, I don't think you need to do all that. Just let God be God. You don't need to have all the smoke and the lights and that old crazy wild guitarist over there dancing around like he's got hands in his pants. I don't know what's wrong with him. Girl drummer up there just beating the drums like crazy. Why can't y'all just let God be God? Well, God's already God. But, but remember, people don't know Jesus. They know you. And if they met you, would they want him? If I was done, I'd just drop it and be gone. Listen, at some point you have to realize how I live my life matters. And my life has to be lived not for me. My life has to be lived pointing people to Jesus. Because the last time I checked, I'm not the answer. Jesus is the answer. And we have to live our lives for Him. My job as a pastor is twofold. It's to guide you here on earth. To help you understand salvation and to push you in this earthly life i'm a coach that's what i am you realize that the players don't always like to coach if i wanted to be friends with everybody i would have never become a pastor 
because I'm going to say some things at times that are going to challenge you. I'm going to say some things at times you're going to be like, why is he saying that? I wish he wouldn't say that because if, if I don't at some point offend you, I'm probably not preaching the gospel. Now, I'm not going to personally try to offend you. I'm going to let the gospel be the only thing in our church that's offensive. And the gospel is very offensive to your life because it will cause you to challenge the way you do things. But it's my job to look at you and say, hey, hey, listen, I know there are a lot of you at our campuses. You've come in and you were hurt somewhere else. You were hurt at another church. You've been hurt in your life and you've just been sitting and you've just been healing. But here as coach, can I coach you for just a minute? You've been you've been sitting for a long time. It's time, like 18 months is long enough to be healed. Let's rise up. Let's be healed. Let's go through growth track. Let's get on the team. Let's serve somebody else. Well, all about me. God called you. He knew about you before I did. And he believes that you can do great things. He created you on purpose for a purpose. You know what I'm doing right there? I'm coaching you. I'm pushing you. I'm challenging you. That's my first calling. My second calling is to prepare you for eternity. How good of a pastor would I be if I coached you on earth but never told you at some point you're all going to stand before God? I don't know why more pastors don't talk about it. It is the essence of what we're supposed to do. The Bible clearly says, Romans chapter 14, verse 10, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Look at me. There's a test coming. And you're going to take it. How many of you guys are, are good test takers? Raise your hand if you're a good test taker. Oh, look. Like you guys are emphatic. Like, I'm good at it. Okay. Where's my people at? Where's the ones you don't like taking tests? Oh, there they are. God bless you. Extra credit for being honest. There's two types of test takers, okay? There's studiers and then there's prayers, okay? Like, there's people who study and then there's people who are like, right now in the name of Jesus, bring all things to my remembrance. Where y'all at? I know, I know where y'all at. <laughs> y'all listen real close, okay? Because here's the truth. You're going to take a two-part test in eternity. Now, what would you do if I could tell you, listen, I'm going to tell you the test questions and I can tell you the answers because it's an open book take-home test. I can give you the questions and I can give you the answers. Look at me. This is one of the most important sermons that I will preach to you. You need to get this. Here's the first question. At the great white throne judgment, this is the first question that you will receive. What did you do with my son Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? Here's the thing. Jesus came to save you from your sins. Here's theology. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Listen, if you don't receive Christ, you'll die in your sins. And the wages of sin is death and eternal damnation. I don't understand why God would create a hell for people to burn in for their lives. This is terrible. Why would God do that? God didn't do that. He never created hell for people. Very clear in the scriptures, Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are accursed into the eternal fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. It's just if you... If you live, listen, in, in the Garden of Eden, humanity was encouraged to align themselves with God. But is love really love if there's not a choice? So there was a choice. This is the, this is the tree of the garden, in the Garden of Eden of good and knowledge. Don't eat of this tree. The fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They were like, okay, cool. Don't eat that one. And they aligned themselves with Lucifer, which is a sinful, death-filled life. 
And so God said, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to go to hell. I, but the rules are the rules. It's the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So he sent his son Jesus to redeem you and pay for something that had to be paid for. Sins have to be paid for. Do you know why this kind of preaching is not popular? Because people, especially this new generation, we love the love of God. We just don't love the justice of God. He's a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. And I wouldn't be a pastor if I didn't tell you that. But here's what's awesome. He loves you so much. It's not a damning message. It's a truth-filled, life-giving message that you can be saved. You can receive what he did for you today, and you can go to heaven. You ever been to lunch with somebody, and you decided, I'm going to pay for their meal? And then they fought you over it, and then they ended up paying for your meal. And you're like, ah, thanks. Have you ever been to lunch with somebody, and you thought, they're going to fight me over paying for their meal? And they did, but they were like, ah, give me the check. Oh, let me get the check. Oh, I got these alligator arms. Oh, get get the check. Ah, Thank you very much for paying for me. (laughs) I've been to lunch with both. But I've never been to lunch with somebody where I paid for the check, and then they got furious, and they were like, no. I'm paying for it too. And we paid for it twice. That would be weird. However, on judgment day, many will do that. When somebody pays for your meal, what do you say? You say, thank you. I received that. And they say, you're welcome. You don't say, no, I will not receive that. I will pay too. But there are people in judgment who will pay for something that was already paid for because they will will not receive the gift that was given. It's a free gift. It's a grace gift. You cannot earn it. We're all going to stand. Listen, let me dive into a little theology. We're all going to stand before the great white throne judgment. Revelations 20 and 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. This is awesome. And books were open. Everybody say books. That's plural. A lot of books. And another book. Everybody say book. That singular was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Everybody say-